Welcome. I'm Owen Anderson, and I'm a professor of philosophy and religious studies at Arizona State University. And I'm here with my good friend, John Barth, associate professor of history at Arizona State University. Yeah, and we we thought it'd be fun to put together a podcast called Reformed Devils because we're reformed, and maybe there's a few senses in which we're devils. Uh, ASU's mascot's the Sun Devil, and so we're we're teaching at Arizona State University. We're Sun Devils and we're reformed, and we want to talk about that. Especially today, what we want to talk about is what it means to be reformed. How would you, uh, John? How would you describe that? Someone says to you, "Oh, you're reformed." What does that mean? Yeah. So. You have, on the one hand, we have Christianity as a broad faith, and in that, you know, Roman Catholicism, and then Protestantism, and then underneath Protestantism, you have how many hundreds or maybe probably thousands of denominations. Um, Reformed is a useful way to classify a certain set of beliefs within Christianity, And and in my view, the thing that sums it up the most is the sovereignty of God, that God is completely sovereign, that he is uh, perfectly holy and um, and will do what he wills, and that we as man, fallen man in our corrupt nature, are obligated to uh, to follow what he says. And, and ultimately, um, we in our corrupt nature do not merit anything that everything that we receive from god is an act of grace that there is nothing in and of ourselves that we can merit or do that that uh that salvation is purely and solely a gift of god and so um there's yeah. yeah the grace of god and so that's what um that's what attracts me to reform theology among many other things i also think it happens to be um the most biblical interpretation that's helpful. That's always helpful, right? <laughs> it, follow, it follows the Bible. That's a good re- reason to believe it. Yeah, I always think about it in terms of levels of being reformed, because you'll meet some people who are reformed, and I would call it the traditional level, which means they were raised in a reformed church. But when you begin to talk to them, they don't know. It's, it's like most people, if they're raised in something and they don't care about it, they don't know much about it at all. But they might be, they might really find an identity in the reformed uh, faith, even though, because that's what they were raised in. I think, I think if you go back to the wars of religion, you had the Lutherans reformed and Catholics fighting, but I'm not sure how well any three, any one of those three, the soldiers could actually identify what the theological differences were. So there's traditionally reformed. And then there's what I would call soteriologically reformed, which is kind of what you're getting at, right? Maybe the five solas Mm -hmm. of the reformation. Sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura, sola Christos, and sola Deo gloria. Right. So we're, we're saved by faith alone through grace. And then also the, the five points of Calvinism. And I think that's part where, where I thought the name Reformed Devils is fun because we're affirming uh, total depravity. We start mm-hmm. off as devils, and it's by the grace of God that we're not, not because of something that we did to merit it. That's right. And, then, and, that, uh, and the, yeah. five, the five points of Calvinism of course uh the tulip acrostic mm-hmm. total depravity um unconditional election limited atonement irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints and yep um and that's not like reform theology is more than just that but th- those are really the the dist- one of the um, clearest distinctives between yep. 
Reformed theology and sort of your mainline Protestantism. Yeah. Um, that that doesn't dive as deep into some of these these big questions, but but questions are ultimately very important because it's all yeah. yeah. That yeah, that's why I say that that's kind of the focus on salvation, soteriology, right? So how how am I saved? What do I need to do? And the reformed emphasis on well, it's the grace of God through faith, not through works. And then I think there's also a reformed level. We might call it the confessional level. Someone will say, "Oh, you're reformed. Which confession do you hold to?" Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you and I are going to have some fun discussions, right? Because you're London, the Baptist Confession, right? Yeah, the 1689, and you're All Westminster. Right, good. I'm, I'm <laughs> Westminster, so I'm sure. I think our audience will have fun when we get to t- talk about some things like baptism and whatnot. But that I think that would be good because I want to illustrate how people can have disagreements and discussions and mm-hmm. and uh, benefit from them. Certainly. And of course, and see the process of a Baptist converting to Pado Baptist. I want to have that <laughs> that whole process on the podcast. <laughs> show you know, show me the verse, and I'll believe it. Yeah. All right, <laughs> yeah. Good. we won't dive into that at the moment. But of course, reform no. in in the uh, the very word reform theology, you have the, what the Reformation, and mm-hmm. so you know, um, uh, coming out of the Reformation, the whole idea of the Reformation was. Um, that salvation is not something that you can earn, mm-hmm. and and reform theology at bottom is is all about decentering man and centering Christ, centering God, and 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 God is the the sovereign actor, and and it's I think uh, when Luther arrived at this conclusion, it was a great relief to him because um, one of the one of the most glorious things about um, this doctrine is that we don't have to worry and const- constantly think about, oh, am I saved or not? Um, once, um, once the Holy Spirit has done that work in our heart, we are um, uh, nothing can pluck us from God's hand. And so um, mm-hmm. it, it, it puts all of the emphasis on Christ and takes us out of the picture, which is a great relief for um, sinners like us who wrestle with with this day in and day yeah. out, um, and and that's another important thing that people have to realize is that um, humility is required in in um, in the Reformed faith. Like we mm-hmm. uh, and you know, uh, each and every day that we, we struggle with all sorts of um, all sorts of issues. I'm a father of four, you know? Yeah, I know you're a, fa- you've, you're a family four man also, too. Yep. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, you know, uh, that alone is going to test you and, <laughs> and cause you to stumble, but we can always fall back on grace. And um, it's That'd a be wonderful a good thing. for us, reformed fatherhood. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. So the, the, uh, the grace of God, and the idea of a reformation is not a new direction. So for example, I think reformed Judaism is more like reinterpreting Judaism into the modern world. So the word reform there is different than in reformed Christianity, which means going back to what scripture teaches instead of human accumulation of tradition. Right. So that's what the idea of the reformation. I think there's one more level after confessional level of reformed that I like to add is I'd call the doxological level, which means that the reformed faith particularly focuses on the revelation of the glory of God which is kind of captured in that last of the five solas only for the glory of God. But I, I like to make that its own because I think that that is something that comes out in what you were saying about the sovereignty of God. 
people I'm sure will have a podcast about free will because people will say, well, wait a minute. Uh, if God decides, in what sense am I responsible? And so I think the focus on the revelation of the glory of God is really what resolves those problems. And one of my recent books was a commentary on Job. And I think that's the lesson that Job learns. God points Job to his works of creation. Mm -hmm. And after seeing those, Job then repents of not having seen the glory of God before. So that's, I think that's one of the things that unites the reform, the, the various branches of the reform faith is that focus on the, the revelation of the glory of God, not just on my comfort, like what do I need to do to get to heaven, but what brings glory to God? That's right. And, and of course, uh, the heavens declare the, the glory yeah. of God. We see that in, in natural or general revelation. It's all around us. My favorite example is the Grand Canyon. Um, I went to Grand Canyon for the first time, like six years ago. I'm from the East Coast. And so um, hiked down to the bottom at the Colorado River with a, with amazing, a couple huh? a couple of friends. Unbelievable. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it, that, that alone is just a picture. Like God reveals himself through the, the power, the majesty, the mystery of, mm -hmm. of what he's created there. And, and that's just a, a little picture. We have the whole universe yeah. all displaying his glory to all humanity so that man is without excuse. And then through the Bible, God lays it out in a very clear yeah, manner. Plan. Uh, and, and, um, and that, and, and it's through scripture that we learn about um, these doctrines in a, in a mm -hmm. clear, in a clear fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. The, the, I like you brought the word inexcusable, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. And then Romans one tells us that the eternal power and divine nature of God are clearly seen and what's been made, but humans have gone into unbelief and into sin. Yeah. I like how, how Paul summarizes sin in Romans three, 10 and 11, none seek, none understand, and none do what is right. That's right. And so, but there's no excuse for it because you say, well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know about the Bible. How could I have been seeking? Well, you had general revelation. Yep. And then in, in scripture, in generalization, you get the revelation about how God will redeem sinners. You don't get that from, from a uh, general revelation. That's sometimes that's what's called deism. And they'll say, Oh, you just need general revelation. So, right. no, you need scripture because you're, yeah. you're a sinner and you have to be, have to, have to have explained how you'll be redeemed. And one of the attributes of, of God is justice. God is a just mm -hmm. God. And, um, and that's what the, the deist and the universalist, what they don't get is that for, for, for God to be just, sin has to be atoned for. And that, that of course, is the, that's the whole gospel that, that God sent his son to, to do that work. Um, and so the choice is, do you, on judgment day, do you, do you receive justice or do you receive mercy? <laughs> there, there's yeah. no injustice in any of it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Because there's a mis misunderstanding about mercy, right? That somehow mercy is obligatory. God has to be merciful. And that's, that's confusing justice and mercy. Justice is obligatory. Mercy is uh, gracious as a gift. So I, th I think it's interesting. A lot of times, and, and here I'm kind of foreshadowing future discussions, but a lot of times in questions about free will, people think that it's cruel of God if anyone is lost, any mm -hmm. human, mm -hmm. as opposed to if any of the elect are lost. None of the elect will be lost. Mm -hmm. But the idea of the universalist, well, God is cruel if it's so if if eventually everyone doesn't come around. But what you said, I think, solves that. Mm -hmm. God is just. Right. And there's a revelation of the justice of God, as well as a revelation of the mercy of God. 
And isn't, isn't God free to reveal his justice just as well as his mercy? Absolutely. When we sin, we're, you know, the, the ultimate sin, you know, if I sin against um, you, for example, okay, uh, yes, I'm sinning against you, but ultimately I'm sinning against God. And so uh, I think R.C. Sproul called, uh, called sin an act of cosmic treason. Mm -hmm. that that yeah that when we sin which which we do on on i think people one one element of our not just our current society society but throughout human history we underestimate um the the uh the depth of our of our depravity oh yeah and and, and so part true. of that is we, man wants to uh man just has this inclination to elevate ourselves and and so mm -hmm. um i'm not that bad yeah, that's right. And so, but every time you sin, you're sinning against an infinite God. You're sinning against an infinitely holy God. And then the effects of our sins spread out so mm -hmm. uh, widely in ways that we cannot even begin to perceive. God yeah. would not be just if he did not, if he did not exercise um, a wrath on sin. And the yeah. good news of the gospel is that when Christ was on the cross, a lot of people think that Christ's sacrifice on a cross was only, you know, the, the, the immediate physical punishment, the lashes and the nails in the hands. No, it was more than that. It was God pouring down, raining down his wrath for, for, uh, uh, for his elect, uh, for the sins of his elect people, raining down his wrath on his son. And that was, that's the sacrifice. And so justice was, was had, God was not, did not have to compromise his justice but it, it's the ultimate act of mercy because he put himself on um, in our place. And so when, yeah. when God sees us, and I know I'm preaching, I know you- No, I'm, keep doing I'm, it. I'm preaching keep doing a little it, preach bit. Preach it, the Baptist but, preaching. Coming out, coming out. I love it. <laughs> but when, when on judgment day, and that's another thing that our modern society doesn't, we don't think about a judgment day anymore. Um, final judgment. Um, oh yeah, that's a good point. That that's but if you, that your uh, whole your life will be judged and all of the ways that you try to pretend like you've done okay will be exposed, without a, a concept of of first sin and then judgment. There's no there's no gospel. The gospel doesn't make any sense without those yeah. without those concepts. I, now, what on, you like you said a moment ago about the wrath of God, I think one of the things that'll be fun to do together is we'll probably have, I'll call it sun devil's advocate times where mm -hmm. one or one of us can can play say the uh, atheist or something and and discuss with the other because i know that there's there's a uh, protestants even who would say oh no that's not the right view of the atonement mm -hmm. jesus is an example of love to draw us to god and they've abandoned vicarious atonement altogether mm -hmm. but that's another important part of the reformation is vicarious atonement mm -hmm. yep absolutely so on when you stand before the creator of the universe here's my question um for the viewer do you uh, do you want um, the God of the universe to look at your own works, to look at what you've done it, throughout your life and, and to make a judgment on your eternal destiny based on what you've done? Or do you want to have on the blood of Christ? You, yeah. you want to be clothed with, with Christ's perfect works. Um, yeah. That's not a contest. It's just not. Well, a imagine, I mean, today, like you said, without the idea of sin or judgment, that makes sense because they'll say, well, that's like asking if I go to talk to Gandalf, what am I going to say? There is no Gandalf, right? So there is no God. So there's not going to be a final judgment. 
So that, that's one of the things that gets into my field of study and what, what attracted me to philosophy was addressing that exact topic. How do we even know there is a God? Right. And that God has these properties of being just, for example. Right. Yeah. So you want to take that? Uh, or, or, well, I, <laughs> that's a whole I know that we'll subject. talk about that a little, probably in another podcast about both of our areas of research. But I think that mm-hmm. that's one of the things that the Reformed faith has also been very good about, mm-hmm. which is natural theology. It's one of the things I love about the uh, Westminster Confession. It opens with by saying the works of God reveal who God is. Right. So that's the very opening of it. And, and Benjamin Warfield called the Westminster Confession the crown jewel of the Reformation because he was comparing it to Heidelberg, mm-hmm. not to put down Heidelberg, but Heidelberg begins by saying, what's my comfort? Mm. And, the, and that's, a, that's a good question, mm-hmm. but my, my comfort's in Christ. Mm-hmm. But the Westminster Confession begins not with my comfort, but what brings glory to God? Mm-hmm. It'll have the same answer as you go down the row about soteriology. Of course, your comfort's in Christ, but it doesn't begin with me. It begins with the glory of God revealed in his works, and you turned away from that. So what, what I've done in my, in my work is focused on precisely how clear it is that God exists. The more you understand that, the more you're mm-hmm. able to understand sin. Mm-hmm. If it's only a little bit kind of dimly aware, a few people with 180 IQ can kind of understand God exists, then of course, sin's not a big deal. But if it's clear to all, right, then sin's a big deal. Not knowing unbelief's a big deal. Right. That's right. Um, I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I, you know, I believe you can prove the existence of God rationally outside of, you, outside you of can? scripture. I do believe you can. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, and you know, obviously there, there are many who dispute that. Um, uh, but, but the existence of a supernatural creator is scientifically necessary. Yeah. And I think you can build from that. And, you know, this whole different discussion of apologetics, and I lean more toward presuppositionalism but mm-hmm. but 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 rationally there must be a supernatural first cause creator yeah. being and it's through what we've been talking about um general revelation natural revelation mm-hmm. where we see that this is not some you know vague force exactly. out there this is a personal god with yep. with with certain attributes that's why I, I don't think like a a return to Thomistic Aristotelianism is actually all that great because it doesn't get to God, who's a person, who's a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchanging. It gets to this first mover, uncaused cause, Mm -hmm. and then Aristotle stopped there. And and people will say, well, Aristotle did the best any human could. No, he didn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aristotle should have repented Mm -hmm. and known his creator, and he Mm -hmm. he stopped at an unmoved mover. So I actually, I made a mistake. I should have brought I have a short book I just put out called The 12 Arguments, mm-hmm. and it's 12 arguments to show as clear God exists. And on the cover, I have the answer to the Westminster Shorter Catechism's question number four, what is God? Mm-hmm. And the answer is God's a spirit who's infinite, eternal, and unchanging, and being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So I, I make the claim that we can know all of that from general revelation. Yeah, And it's precisely because we don't know that that we need scripture to show us what God's going to do about it. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. So that's, that's why I think it's impressive about the, the reformed faith and what, what attracted me to it was that focus on the revelation of the glory of God and that we can know God. We creatures who have sinned can nevertheless come to know God through the work of Christ. That, mm-hmm. that should blow our minds. I, I would add, I, I know we're probably running up against our time. 
here. Um, but when I came to to Saving Faith, which was when I was twenty seven years old, um, my brother, who was a believer, in, immediately introduced me to R.C. Sproul um, mm-hmm. and and some of the the, the guys that um, well, he's with Ligonier and and mm-hmm. yeah. and then from there I went went onward. Um, for me, reformed theology was coming from uh, an, uh, a my an intellectual mind. It's so it, it uh, so it, it was intellectually satisfying. Like it, it, it's a yeah. complete. It's a the reformed faith is known for that. They'll say that right. it attracts the intellectuals. Yeah, right. And and it does have this um, uh, rational consistency about it, and 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 mm-hmm. it it is a it's a systematic way yep. of interpreting scripture and it's quite um it's quite it's also very satisfying on that level that would be yeah another yeah i think so i think that and i'm sure we'll get you know for our audience we'll be getting into topics about that exactly and it's good you mentioned Sproul because i was the same way his his book classical apologetics was uh influential for me and then uh, i remember listening to one of his um histories of philosophy this is back when he still had audio tapes like ligonier would you could get audio tapes from ligonier Right. And it was, I think they called the consequence of ideas. Yep. And uh, I was an undergraduate then listening to that and, and thinking through philosophy. So yeah, that, I think that that's a, a, that's why I said the reform faith, there are, there are some of the reform faith who are anti-natural theology. Mm-hmm. I think that tends to be more the continental reform who are, were influenced by Pierre Bale. We can get into that later. Whereas I think the English and Scottish reformations were very strongly in favor of natural theology. So there is a debate within natu- within Reformed faith about the role of natural theology. But once you've gone the Westminster Confession or London, you, those are going to be pro-natural theology. Right. Yeah. When um when I I uh, grew up in the grew up in the faith and departed um when I was uh, an undergraduate in college actually. And uh, one of the reasons that'd be good. I like to hear. Well, that'd be good to have a whole couple podcasts on on testimonies. I left uh, one of the reasons why I left. I just assumed that Christianity was irrational, that it there was no, um, you know, uh, it didn't it didn't satisfy me on any like uh, mental intellectual level. And so yeah. that that's that was really big for me to 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 see, OK, not only OK, there's an apologetic defense. For the truth claims in Christianity, and then um, from there, uh, in understanding Scripture and understanding doctrine, it is a um, it's just a well of uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 doctrine is just so rich and so deep mm-hmm. that it's you know it's like no other. And um, yeah. and once you once you start once you understand that and and that does that takes the work of the Holy Spirit. But yeah. once you once you get into that. Um, it's you know it it's it's eternally satisfying yeah well that's right i, mean, I was very similar in the sense of thinking that you there aren't really any answers and i was dissatisfied as i went from high school to college with the answers and i remember being challenged in my first philosophy class if i know what is good and i had always assumed i, I mean i never even thought about that of course i know what's good mm-hmm. and as i tried to give an answer the professor played Socratic dialogue back with me, I realized I don't even know what, what is good. Yeah. Uh, and that, that for me laid bare, I, 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 I'm, ex- I'm 
responsible for not knowing that. And then it went further. You don't really even know God. I assumed I knew God this whole time. And if when I'm asked to explain God, I don't have an explanation for that either. And so for me, that was the humbling process of realizing I thought one way about myself. I thought I know God and I don't really know God mm-hmm. and nothing I can do at this point, apart from the grace of God will remedy that. That's right. But I need to find those answers. It's not just you go from not knowing God to grace and you stay not knowing God. I should know these things as, mm-hmm. as a human being who's made by God with a mind. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. So good. To, I think that's about it for all. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying, and to keep our and to keep, keep our minds active. You know, we, yeah. we, um, it, we as as Christians, we should want to know God more. Yeah, you know, and like, yeah, it, amen. It, it's satisfying to, to to to. There's like no no end to that. You can right. Your day will be filled with meaning. Right. And, and, you know, that, um, you know, ultimately that's what, that's what, that's what glory is all about. And, 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 and heaven is about, um, it's an eternity of diving into the, the richness and, 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 um, deepness of the glories of God, which are in, in this, um, in this lifetime and this earth, um, is, uh, we can know God, but God is ultimately incomprehensible for our finite minds. And, and so, you know, it, uh, that's what eternity consists of is it. Yeah. And, 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 and you will never be bored learning more. I'll never about finish that. That's, that's how I say incompre- incomprehensible could be two ways. One way is the mystic skeptic. And they mean by incomprehensible, you can't know anything about God, mm-hmm. which I don't think that's true. We can know God's a spirit. Mm-hmm. Infinite, eternal, unchangeable. It just means you can never finish knowing things about God, unending knowledge of God. Right. So in that sense, God's incomprehensible. You'll never be done. You never say, okay, now I'm done knowing God. I can move on to the next topic. That's right. The Bible gives us all that is uh, sufficient to know about God, but you know, we don't really don't even, we can't even begin to understand uh, uh, the, the full uh, or to fully comprehend who God yeah. is, you know, uh, it, God has chosen to uh, reveal what is sufficient to us through scripture. And so, you know, we, you know, we, that's another really important point about the reformed faith is right. what you just said, God chooses to reveal himself to us. Mm-hmm. And so that's why in reformed, almost every like Calvin and other, every other reformed systematic theology begins with that doctrine of revelation. Right. The Westminster confession begins there too. general revelation and special revelation. God revealed to us. We don't somehow come to know God apart from the revelation of God. So that's another important part about about reformed uh, faith. And I think the word sometimes is used, it's, it's a different meaning really than we mean today, but God condescended to make himself known to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's again, part of the grace of God. But I think we're basically at the end of our time for the first episode. I think so. Um, thanks everyone for joining us and continue to keep an eye out for the reformed devils. Thank you. Bye.